There's a rumor going around Twitter that we are currently in the longest bear market ever for Bitcoin. This is as bad as it's ever been. It's worse than previous cycles. Oh my gosh, it can't get worse. And I'll show you why that narrative is false. But that said, I am definitely seeing echoes of 2019. If you were here, you remember just how incredibly boring it was. Bitcoin traded down from 20,000 all the way to 6,000, stayed there seemingly forever, and then broke support and dropped before eventually heading up, starting a new cycle and a new bull market. But none of that can happen until we get some volatility and get some volume and actual interest in Bitcoin. On top of that, there's a whole lot of news today. Obviously, my bad takes last Friday on the laws from the United States uh, being proposed by the IRS for taxes. I didn't think it was such a big deal on Friday. I think it's a much bigger deal today. The SEC coming after impact theory for their NFT. Project Mint settling for over $6 million and setting a precedent now that NFTs are probably securities and those offerings are offerings of unregistered securities. We've got a lot to cover today. I've got the amazing Noel Atchison here today to discuss all of this and then Charlie at the end to talk about the charts. Let's go, guys. Let's go. What's up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. I see you guys saying good morning, Christian. Christian, good morning. Marius, good morning. Ian, Ian, Ian. You're always here, man. I still don't know how to pronounce your name. Good morning, everyone. I hope that you are having a wonderful Tuesday thus far. We have some news today, for sure. There's been a lot finally going on, even though Bitcoin remains boring, just sort of trading around $26,000. The first elephant in the room, before I bring Noel up really quickly, is what I addressed in the title, Bitcoin's longest bear market ever. We can get to the when will it end part after this. But this is going around. It was shared by some people. I don't name names. I don't uh, point out people who have terrible takes saying, congratulations, you guys are part of the worst bear market in history. It's never been worse. It's so bad. It's terrible. It's the longest ever. And this is based on this chart from Glassnode. Of course, once one person tweeted it, 100 people tweeted it and became officially the worst and longest bear market ever. But if you take 30 seconds to look at this chart, you would have to have been dropped on your head repeatedly to believe that this chart, which just shows Bitcoin's year-over-year -year price changes to indicate what is or is not a bear market and how long one has been. Take five seconds and look at this. Last bear market, according to this, was only 204 days, guys. By what metric, I ask you, I have no idea. Because this bear market apparently started not when price went from 20000 to 10000 or back up to 17000 or down to 6000 but after Bitcoin dropped from 6000 to around 3000 Apparently, that's when the bear market started if we're comparing apples to apples here. And we were already out of it 200 days later just by getting back to 6,000 according to that. But of course here, this bear market, if you look at this chart, started somewhere around 50,000 and we don't get any credit for getting back up above the 25,000 level. Guys, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it's just further proof that just because you see a chart and somebody says something does not make it true. And I will say though, that this has long echoes, very significant echoes of 2019 when things were just really 
really quiet. I'm going to go ahead and bring on Noel, and we're going to talk about this further. I, I don't need your take on that because obviously I don't think this is our longest or worst bear market of all time yet, <laughs> right? In fact, if I'll, you use I'll, the- I will jump in on something on that, Scott, that whenever you get that kind of a tweet or that kind of a reaction or that kind of a buzz, you always have to ask yourself, why now? Why are we hearing this now? Who is saying it? Why and why now? And there's often another narrative going on there. Yeah, and what do, what do you think? I think this is just part of the in attempt to chill interest in crypto markets more broadly, because that's certainly going to ease political pressure that we're seeing in the largest financial market in the world. Uh, not what's happening outside, but it's definitely what's going on in the U.S. I just think it's part of the let's all go look at something much more interesting, such as AI or something like that, diverting attention. Yeah. And listen, the metrics align with that very well. This is uh, Google searches for crypto. Obviously, we know that that's not really happening right now. Exactly like 2019, if anybody remembers. Did nobody forget that it was nobody was talking about it going to zero anymore. They just weren't talking about it, to your point, right? It kind of disappeared from the narrative entirely. I mean, there's a lot here. Bitcoin's and online we'll, transaction. We'll know what yeah, we all know what happened yeah. after that, right? Exactly. And Bitcoin's transaction volume. Three-year lows. Glassnode, this is the lowest volume we've had the entire year right now. No surprise, it is the summer, August. And then this is my favorite. If you want to talk about the bottom signals and exactly what you were talking about, Joe Wiesenthal, obviously the stalwart, critical of crypto to say the least, and uh, always has a good jab. Crypto has gone from being in a bear market to properly being in winter. Not just that the coins prices are flat or down, but like outside of maybe some hopes of a Bitcoin ETF or insider game of the week, interest, enthusiasm, and buzz seem totally absent. And then he shares a similar chart about how there's no interest. Honestly, these are bottom signals. They are. And if you look at other metrics, such as the number of active addresses, we are up on the year. And surely that is always a, a metric of Bitcoin success, whether it's actually being used. We're not even talking about the technological advancements that the Bitcoin network has seen over the past year. We're not even talking about what's going on elsewhere in the crypto ecosystem as well. So it comes down entirely to, again, who is saying what and why. And you can always just poke holes in, okay, but what is your definition of success? What is your definition of winter? What is your definition of the bear market? And also, why should we care? I heard the most wonderful thing uh, on a podcast recently, Scott, which I'll just throw in there because I know you want to move on. And it was a woman who uh, lives in, in Togo, and she focuses on Bitcoin education in Africa. And she she said, those who don't get Bitcoin don't need Bitcoin, and Bitcoin doesn't need them either. Uh, that's brilliant. And I think that that speaks to the fact that also Bitcoin is just not that obvious for people in the first world. Yeah. Right? If and you live in a third world country with hyperinflation, you whether you choose to adopt it or not and think it's the answer, you immediately understand why it matters. And we're just kind of living in this uh, wonderful utopia where we all generally have access to banking services. We can PayPal and Venmo each other things. and We just don't get it. And our, and our currency, as much as people like to rail against the dollar, is very much relatively stable. It's the global reserve currency. Absolutely. And us in the privileged financial systems that we live in, we do tend to see it as an investment asset. We do hope the price goes up. That is speculation, sure, but that's not Bitcoin's only use case. Those that ask about the use case, again, are generally those that don't need it. 
And the use case, I've always said Bitcoin is whatever you want it to be. You want it to be a speculative asset? It is that. You want it to be payment mechanism? It is that. You want it to be store value? It's that. Is it ideal on any of those? No, but the fact that it can serve as any of those, depending on needs and circumstances, gives it a resilience that other assets don't have. I often, I often get irritated also, I think you, you alluded to this earlier, the number of commentators that say that the United States is going to kill crypto. The SEC is out to kill crypto. It can't kill crypto. It can do damage for sure. And the clamp on the banking system is hurting crypto businesses around the world, but it can't kill crypto. Yeah, I agree. So I want to talk about a chart that you actually sent me right before because uh, we want to highlight that this is seemingly important. This is the Bitcoin Volmix Implied Volatility Index. Of course, this appears it's a relatively short time frame chart. Yes. But talk about what we're seeing here and why it matters. Oh, I got so excited when I looked at this chart this morning because there's there's movement. <laughs> there's movement. I mean, I know so many traders who are saying these days, God, I would take any movement in any direction right now. We do not enjoy this Bitcoin is a stable coin narrative that seems to be increasingly true. On a bigger picture, it's still low. Let's just implied volatility is definitely off the highs from earlier this month when we had you know those those sharp moves. It is definitely off tradition um, its traditional levels. It's so it's still low, but look, it's moving in the upward direction now, which is key for the bigger picture, Scott. We're not going to get liquidity coming back into this market until we have an uptick in volatility. And again, this is implied volatility, which comes from options pricing. And there's a whole lot of other stuff going on in options that can somewhat distort this. But hey, you know, it's something, we'll take it. We're not going to get liquidity without the volatility, because without the volatility, we don't have the market makers and we don't have the high frequency traders that give the market its liquidity. Why don't we have them? Because with low volatilities, it's just really not worth their while. It's, you know, the market makers need to hedge and crypto hedging is more expensive than traditional asset hedging. And the high frequency traders, again, you need the volatility. That's how they make their money. Until we get those players back in the market, we're not going to see institutions comfortable enough to dip their toe in simply because large orders could uh, have both slippage and exit risk. And without the institutions, the market isn't going to really start to move. It's always new entrants to any market that trigger a rally, that trigger a bull run. The new entrants are not going to be retail just yet. They're not quite the size. It's going to be the macro institutions that see Bitcoin for the diversification potential that it has, as well as the insurance asset that it has the potential to be. We understand the problem and we know that we have the chicken and egg situation, which is that we need the volatility to get the volume and to get some actual interest in it. What brings back the volatility on a grander level and therefore then what really is going to trigger liquidity? Is it one of these white swans, as people call them? Is it an ETF, something like that? Or is this simply just all of a sudden some whale hits a very large buy button or sell button and we get volatility again and then the interest comes back? Yes, to all of the above. I mean, volatility is very difficult to pin down. It doesn't have just one route. I think we need any or a combination of the above or who knows what's going to happen. I think it's September. I think we're going to have traders coming back into the market. We're going to have people coming back from holiday. We're going to have portfolio reallocations. We've got the end of the third quarter coming up as well. Let's not forget that. And the rumors or expectations, I should say, not rumors, of the potential Bitcoin spot ETF and the, you know, the very likely Ethereum future 
futures ETF, they're going to start to bring some speculative positions back in. And all it takes, especially with such low liquidity, is some uptick in activity, not a lot, some. And that'll start the uptick in volatility, which will bring in some more, which will tick up volatility some more. And then it's a self-fulfilling spiral in the right direction. Yeah, I actually found this chart this morning, which I found fascinating. U.S. financial liquidity regimes in Bitcoin. It doesn't take a genius if you start looking around 2020 to see just how much liquidity. And I'm not talking about Bitcoin liquidity. I'm talking about global liquidity, how much liquidity is in the market in general contributes not only to bullish and bearish prices for Bitcoin, but just how much it tracks liquidity. So it's fun. We obviously listen. We know for a fact as this says, Bitcoin kisses growing correlation with S&P 500 goodbye. We talked about this a month ago. The correlation technically right now is gone. That's because other markets are actually doing something, right? And when we're doing nothing, that's... But so the correlation is gone, but that correlation to liquidity will never leave. When there's liquidity, we have a bull market. When there's no liquidity, we have a bear market. Is it really just that simple? Because it looks like it when you stare at a chart like this. Well, it's never anything really simple in financial markets, but stepping back on the narrative basis, yes, it is that simple. We have so much uncertainty in the market now, Scott. You commented on this before as well. I've never seen this level of uncertainty. And it's not just uncertainty with the different asset classes that are following different development paths. It's the political uncertainty. There's an election coming up in the United States next year. That's a pretty big deal. It's the geopolitical uncertainty as well with the shifting roles of the BRICS group, with, with China potentially not achieving its growth targets this year. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Let's not forget there's a war still going on in Europe, which will end one day. And just think of the volatility that will be unleashed in the market when it does end, which it will one day eventually. Uh, can, can't come soon enough. It's um, difficult times to plot anything relative to anything else because all of us analysts have you know, been scratching our heads collectively thinking that does not make sense. You know, you study for years and years and years and years. You'd think things would make sense. No, not in markets. That's one of the fascinating things about this particular field. But one thing we do know is, as you said, Scott, liquidity matters. How you measure that global monetary liquidity, that is an entirely uh, new art unto itself. And there are signs that it is ticking up. But the expected liquidity measures from China look like they're not going to come through as expected just yeah. yet. But perhaps when things get worse, they will. And we've always known that for liquidity to come rushing back into the market, things do need to be pretty bad out there. Yeah. And we also have a situation that not that many people are talking about, I think, but where we have the Fed and monetary policy talking about tightening, but you have the Treasury and fiscal policy really still kind of uh, putting liquidity into system. So maybe it's just sort of washes out and we're getting neither, which is why it's kind of so boring and nothing is happening. Yes. And, you know, there, and again, there's an election next year. Have you ever heard of fiscal liquidity drying up in an election year? Don't think so. I mean, that genie is definitely not going back into the bottle. When it comes going back to correlations for a second, yes, they're really low now, which so many people are latching on to uh, the narratives that either Bitcoin doesn't matter anymore, or yes, this is the time to diversify your portfolios, forgetting that correlation is always a backward looking metric. And it can change fast. It doesn't look like it changes fast on the charts because correlations are 30, 60, 90, 180 days, whatever time frame you choose. They're smoothed. They're very smoothed. But times of stress, yeah. times of stress, correlations go to one, as you know. So it's not something you can count on. It's a nice narrative device, but it's not more than that. 
The one single black swan event, and all of a sudden, obviously, we're going to see everything move together, or white swan, I guess, in the other direction. But I, I agree. Sort of the uh, old uh, escalator up and elevator down, right? When, when uh, <laughs> everything goes, it really goes, and it goes together. I, I, I can't imagine seeing a world where we had a credit event or something like that, and Bitcoin continues to just meander sideways on no volume while everything falls off a cliff. I just can't see exactly. that happening. I do think that if we get a big credit event or we just simply get the stock market realizing that its valuations are unrealistic. I mean, it's run to it where it was before uh, Powell started the tightening, tightening cycle, Scott. That makes no sense whatsoever. Anyways, um, so I expect there to be a stock market correction very you know, soon. And I do think Bitcoin, Bitcoin could suffer when that happens because a lot of macro investors who've been focusing on technology investments and long duration assets, they also have Bitcoin. And when you've got to sell to meet margin calls or even just to get cash on the table, you'll sell whatever. Let's remember that Bitcoin's markets are open longer uh, than stock markets are. So yes, Bitcoin could get hit, but we've seen time and time again, Scott, that that is when support comes in. That's when buyers come in. I've personally been very encouraged by Bitcoin's lack of movement over the past week or so because the dollar has been climbing and when yeah. the dollar is climbing yeah. normally bitcoin is dropping so this is again showing that there is some subtle support in the market even now even though we're not seeing it directly in the price yeah i i, I agree with you 100 percent. speaking of the dollar and this is the last thing i i know we need to talk about before i let you go but we we have had this magnificent climb i guess magnificent for now seven we're in the seventh week of green we'll see how it closes but uh and right when i think a lot of people thought the dollar was going to break down i think you and i share the idea especially as you've pointed out with the election year all these things that we will with time see the a weakening dollar once again yes i'm convinced of that largely because we are seeing even now we're seeing reduced demand for dollars sure in times of crisis there could be a rush into the safe asset but more and more are questioning just how safe the dollar is relative to other assets it is still the cleanest shirt in the laundry but it does have a debt problem. It is getting debt downgrades. It has political sclerosis. It has a lot of issues that are going to encourage investors to look elsewhere. And on terms of trade, we are seeing bilateral agreements emerge and this is just getting warmed up. Yeah, I totally agree. Any final thoughts before I let you go? Anything we might've missed? Everyone says that it's been a very dull summer. It actually hasn't. The prices haven't been doing very much, but there's been so much going on on the geopolitical front that points to a very interesting phase for crypto development on the global stage, not so much on the US stage. And as a European, I do find it quite heartbreaking to see the world's largest financial market that is known for its support for innovation just squander this opportunity. But crypto ecosystem around the world is evolving rapidly. Awareness is growing and the use cases are becoming more apparent, especially given the currency turmoil that we have seen, and that is just getting started. Everything you say aligns with my general feeling, which is that uh, this has just been yet another summer, yet another four-year cycle, the year before the halving, and probably one year from now, we'll be having a very, very, very different conversation as we ramp up to the election. Indeed. Thank you so much, Noel. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Scott. Have a good day. Incredible insight there. I always love to hear her perspective. So grounded, pragmatic, and uh, intelligent. It's, it's 
Sometimes we have guests who are unable to really articulate their points. Obviously not the case here. I want to run through a bunch more news uh, that I didn't want to bore her with as, as we continue on here. And then, of course, we can have Charlie Burton at the end to look at the charts. First, if we're talking about this cycle, I've showed you guys the chart here. Let's look at it many times before, right? This is the having cycle. Bottom, having, bull market, bottom, having, bull market, bottom, having. We're not there yet. Obviously, that's next May. But when you're looking at this, guys, I do want to remind you, and the next thread I'm going to show you echoes this. And it echoes exactly what we were just talking about. You get a bottom, then usually very many months later, you return to it and put in a higher low and head up. If you look at the bottom here, we had it all the way up to 14,000, right? We had that rally from 3,000 to 14,000 in 2019, and then a drop all the way back. Yes, it was largely COVID, but yet again, putting in a higher low during that sort of bottoming to having cycle, and then raging out into the having and beyond. So that would imply that we will once again make a higher low than this at some point out here, right? And then heading up. Now, there's a lot of people echoing a similar sentiment. This is a great thread from uh, Immortal Crypto. Immortal Crypto has been studying these rallies. Listen, we don't have to dig into the entire thing. He posts charts showing exactly where we are. That was that 14,000, 13,000 high I talked about in 2019. Let's imagine that 31,000 was a similar high, which is generally what I do believe. I don't think we're going above 31,000 anytime, anytime soon. It could, but at this point after, listen, I thought we were continuing up likely, but when we broke 28,600 support, my opinion changed. How it goes, right? But if you take a look, wait, listen, we can dig into the whole thing. Basically, it's showing how similar they actually look. But if you want to actually compare to the last cycle, if this cycle is similar to the previous one, we would still need 384 days to create a higher macro high and break 31K for good. That is long time. That's a year. I've been saying we don't get the real bull market until a year. But if you look at it here, that was that 14K top went all the way down here and then finally around. So maybe, you know, we dick around and come up. I told you guys literally last fall that my expectation was a really, really, really boring year and a half or two years. And I still... I'm generally thinking that's what's going to happen. I could be completely wrong. We could get an ETF approval. There's a lot of things that could change that. But for now, I don't see any reason for us to be trading way up. I know I will have Chris on tomorrow. He'll tell us 40, 50K. I listen. It could be right. I thought the mid-30s and 40s were there. But I do think it's meaningful that we dropped. It's nice that we're still holding that 25,200-something-ish area. Right? I saw a terrible take here. No, this isn't it. Okay, we'll, we'll keep going and I'll find it later. But continuing on, obviously, guys, on Friday, I was like, hey, I read this. It doesn't seem that bad. Crypto community reacts to Biden's proposed crypto tax reporting rules. It's really problematic. You guys have probably heard this conversation already a million times. But I was pretty excited when I first read it that miners, node operators were not going to be considered brokers. That was good news because the expectation was that they might be, and that would be wildly problematic. The problem is that the MetaMasks of the world and the other wallet providers and Uniswap and anything decentralized now will theoretically, if this passes in 2025, be treated as brokers. And that shit is literally impossible, right? How could MetaMask be expected to not only report every single transaction to the IRS, but to KYC every individual 
sending or receiving a transaction. They would have to know everything about your identity to comply with this rule and to report that so that you can pay your taxes. It's literally impossible. Antonio, this is the founder of DYDX, said this. Crypto builders should just give up serving U.S. customers for now and try to re-enter in five to 10 years. This guy's in the U.S. It's not really worth the hassle compromises. Most of the market is overseas anyways. Innovate there, find PMF, then come back with more leverage. PMF is product market fit. Let me be first be clear on my goals for crypto and where I believe we're at right now. In the grand scheme of things, barely anyone uses or cares about crypto today. I personally don't care about any outcome except growing crypto 100x long term. Given this, the only thing that matters for all of us is crypto finding 10x stronger product market fit. You don't need to have a perfect distribution to iterate and find strong product market fit. There's plenty of big market. Okay, you get the gist. You get the gist. Even the people building in the United States, this is the guy behind UADX, say leave the United States, come back when crypto matters again. A, I think that's a bear market signal. Personally, same kind of thing that we've seen before, but is worth noting. I don't believe, by the way, that if you leave for five to 10 years, the United States necessarily is going to be allowing you to come back or that that's going to work. But pretty serious words from the founder of one of the most popular DeFi platforms as based in the United States. And we can't talk about all the problems that we're having here without talking about what's happening with the SEC now, because this is huge news. Impact theory, you guys have seen Tom Bilio, <coughs> Tom, excuse me, on my channel before. He's the CEO and founder. They had an NFT release last year called Founders Keys for Impact Theory and raised about $30 million. And the SEC now has settled with them for $6 million. It should be noted, Impact Theory paid the $6 million, but did not admit any guilt. So there's no real precedent set here. This was low-hanging fruit for the SEC. But what does matter, obviously, is that now we have some sort of idea of how the FCC views NFTs and these projects that were released, and it ain't good. They obviously believe, uh, believe that these are securities offerings, unregistered securities offerings, and are probably going to continue going after everyone who did it. Now, the nuance here obviously is in the way it was marketed. What the SEC said was that it was an investment contract and effectively that the company Impact Theory had given people the impression that if they buy these, they would go up in value. You would expect to make money. Therefore, it is a security. That probably applies to every NFT project ever. So I think this gives us a hint as what to, is going to happen. Now, Tom, <clears throat> Tom Bilyeu said, he, he posted a long thread basically saying, hey, we're going to continue on. He saw it as a win. Listen, we settled. Who cares? We paid our, this guy's a billionaire. But settled, said, hey, we paid our $6 million. We can go on. But it's notable. They had to burn all these NFTs, take them back, offer refunds. I mean, there was a lot of penalties that they had to do here. But he still believes that they're going to be able to move ahead and use NFTs. But more interestingly, as usual, the minute we get one of these irrational actions from the SEC, we immediately get dissent from Commissioner Hester Peirce. And in this case, also Commissioner Mark uh, Uyeda. I don't actually know how to pronounce his name. Basically, immediately said, this is crap. We shouldn't be doing this. We should be laying out clear rules. But this was my favorite part because it's something I say all the time. This is what Hester said. We do not routinely bring enforcement actions against people that sell watches, paintings, or collectibles, along with vague promises to build the brand and thus increase the resale value of those tangible items. If you sell a Rolex for more money, has Rolex participated in the release of an unregistered security sale because the brand has given you the idea that Rolexes hold their value? Are diamonds, in fact, forever? De Beers, right? 
So it's going to be very interesting to see how this pans out, but it's very clear where the SEC stands. We got to get rid of Gary Gensler, guys. We have to get rid of Gary Gensler. Get Hester Purse or someone else more reasonable in there or follow the Warren Davidson plan to restructure the SEC and not have a one commissioner in charge, just have a panel of six equal commissioners. But man, this sucks. FTX customers hit by withdrawal phishing emails after SIM swap attack. Guys, I've been SIM swapped. I've talked about SIM swaps. First of all, we've seen a bunch of personalities on Twitter. I showed you there's been like hundreds of SIM swaps this year. That was news the other day. They SIM swap your SIM. They go into your Twitter. They take your Twitter account. Then they start promoting scams. We've seen it over and over again. Do not use SMS authentication. That's it. Use Google Authenticator or something else on a separate device. Never attach your phone number to authentication. If they SIM swap you, they get everything. In this case, in this case, somebody involved in the FTX proceedings was SIM swapped and the hacker got all of their data and is now sending phishing emails to FTX customers. We saw this with Voyager as well, telling them that withdrawals are available. You can go in and withdraw your money and then you hit the button and you end up sending them a whole bunch of your money. Do not fall for any email that is not super official that you haven't seen confirmation of elsewhere, right? A bunch of Voyager people ended up getting hacked and sent money. Imagine being one of these people who lost everything and then losing more because this company couldn't protect their SIM. In very surprising and shocking news predicted by nobody except for me and most people, friend tech revenues plummet 90% as social app hype cools. Guys, it was stupid. It was dumb. It was fully redacted. It lasted for a week. A bunch of influencers made like 100 grand each. And now everybody realizes it's a piece of shit app that has absolutely no utility. And you're not actually getting value by buying a share or now a key in someone. Let's move on from friend tech because that is dumb. And of course, Binance considering a full exit from Russia. They were mostly out, but had peer-to-peer transactions. You might have seen in the Wall Street Journal that Binance had some major issues here with sanctioned people, wallets, entities utilizing the peer-to-peer transactions on Binance. So now Binance considering a full wholesale move out of Russia. Very sad for the Russian people who will have no access to anything and might only be able to trade crypto at a few places using rubles. That said, we saw news in April that was very quietly passed over that the Central Bank of Russia is mining Bitcoin for cross-border transactions. So Bitcoin very much alive in Russia. Now, guys, I'm going to address this one very quickly. You guys probably saw. I Listen, people did whole shows on this yesterday. I love my fellow YouTubers, but come on, man. Not worth the time, but it is worth at least noting because I want to say something different about it. Yesterday, BJ Investment Holdings, a parent company of Hit Network, took decisive legal action removing Ben Armstrong from the company, that is BitBoy, and specifically the BitBoy crypto brand. Somehow, BitBoy did not actually own BitBoy crypto entirely at two partners. This difficult decision is a culmination of a prolonged effort to help Ben during his relapse into substance abuse, as well as reconcile the emotional, physical, and financial damage he has done to the employees of Hit Network and the BitBoy crypto community. BitSquad deserves better, uh, blah, blah, blah. So BitBoy apparently did not own all of BitBoy crypto. They took him out, removed him completely. I tried to message him. He has no access to the Twitter account. I did talk to him very briefly on the Bencoin account. But listen, this is what he he said. This is Ben. TJ Shedd and Justin Williams have attempted a coup at my company. Just confirming what is going around. It's true. There's been a mutiny. Until they can clone me, I have nothing to worry about. To, To be honest, I agree. Like Without him, I think this channel dies. 
Um, I'm not saying they did the wrong thing in a situation where they had to, but um, that's life. But what I want to say is that where's the humanity, man? Listen, I understand people have their views on him. He was a larger than life personality, very loud. I totally understand if it's a business decision to get rid of him. But if you've ever heard his story in the past, you're talking about a guy who over a decade ago had a serious addiction to drugs, to heroin, I believe. Uh, he was in jail. He overdosed. He almost died. Uh, he got in a fight with four police officers, apparently went to jail. Like I said, I mean, the guy obviously had struggles and got through that wife, three kids, beautiful family. A relapse is not something to make fun of. It's extremely sad. It's not a joking matter, in my opinion. And so just from my side, I hope he gets the help he needs. I feel deeply for his family. Uh, you know, I've seen how addiction can ruin a family, certainly when there's a relapse. And I'm just honestly, man, this is hit close to home. We're not close friends, but I obviously know him. But I'm just really sad for the guy and I'm really sad for his family. I think this is extremely unfortunate. And I just really think it's a, uh, it's, it's just really sad and shows you that even 10, 12, 14 years later, people can relapse and fall right back into it. So that's all I got to say. Moving on. And I'm going to bring on uh, Charlie momentarily because uh, I want to laugh at this one with him. Charlie, I'm going to bring you on. You haven't seen this, uh, but uh, this is uh, from Matrix Sports saying Bitcoin is Matrix Sports. They've turned bullish on Bitcoin. Bitcoin's going to go up. Global liquidity is coming back. All things are good. And then he said to set your stop loss at twenty five thousand eight hundred. That's what? One hundred dollars below the price. Oh, I can't hear you, buddy. I don't know what's going on. Can you maybe? Uh, there we go. It's on. Yeah, it's on. Uh, you mute yourself but like this article i literally like almost fell over because i was yeah. started reading it and it said you know there's all the conditions are there for a bitcoin bull run and then it said wow. set, set your stop loss at twenty five thousand eight hundred. wow um well um someone's gonna be earning a lot of money out of that if, if, if there was a lot of people sat there with a stop at twenty eight thousand. <laughs> i mean sorry how, twenty twenty five thousand eight hundred. sorry yeah how absolutely nuts is that like yeah, yeah i just it 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 boggles my mind the reporting. I mean, imagine price is now twenty six thousand. Yeah, and you're so, talking about, and it was just at twenty five twelve. So twenty five, I mean twenty five thousand two hundred. You would expect that we're going to go visit those lows potentially, and that is meaningless, right? Yeah. So yeah, you get you get to get stopped out uh, before this massive event over the next few years that they're talking about going up. But uh, yeah. what are you looking at at the charts right now? I mean, I'm I'm encouraged that we're holding twenty five thousand for now. Uh, but I'm not convinced that's going to last. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, we mentioned this last week. Um, yeah, I'm still looking for that little bit more down to that 24,000. Um, last week when I was on, I was talking about the divergence that we've got on the weekly chart there. Just from a technical perspective, I'd just like to see it come back down and test that weekly 50 that you're showing probably there on your chart. Yeah, that's so, 23,983, and by the time yeah. it would hit, yeah, exactly, yeah. 24,000. Yeah, it's a nice level, you know, historically as well, that, that 25, 24,000 area. So, yeah, I, that's what I would like to see. But as we often say, what we what we want to see and what we get are two entirely different things sometimes in the markets. But I would like to see that. Um, but we're in the right ballpark anyway, as we said last week. You know, when you look, you know, maybe back in two years time, looking back at where we are today, then hopefully we're saying, oh, God, yes, we were certainly in the right ballpark. Yeah, I mean, uh, you weren't watching before. I mean, my really gut just says we're just going to be really boring 
and we're going to, you know, maybe we go down to the lower 20s and maybe we go back to 30, but we'll yep. probably be doing this for quite a long time. What do you make of last week's weekly candle? Because we obviously had the big drop. We're now below the 200. This is only the second time really in history we've traded more than two weeks below the 200 MA here. You were talking about the 50. But pretty indecisive little doji or spinning top there. Yeah, a little inside bar. I'm not reading too much into that. Maybe if it would have been a, a little like harami type candle or something like that, then maybe I'd have been a bit more interesting, but interested. But for me, it's not saying too much. Yes, indecision. But again, we keep on going through these periods where Bitcoin has a bit of a run and then just goes flat, doesn't it, for weeks on end. So, um, yeah, I, I'm it, fun enough when your producer got in touch with me earlier on uh, and he said, can we talk about Bitcoin? I said, really? <laughs> So no, we can't. Well, I mean, we can, but I don't know that we could offer anything brand new. Is there anything exactly. we can talk about, Charlie? Is there anything that's changed for you since last week that you yes. can show us? Please, yeah, for God's sake. Yeah, let me Good. share my screen then. Uh, Perfect. Let's yeah. go for just a couple of. Bits. I just had yeah. to laugh. I had to do Bitcoin because I had to laugh at that article. Absolutely, and um, I guys, and there's always yeah, different people. Guys, it's going to be great. We're we're going to new all time highs, but not if we drop below twenty five thousand eight hundred. No way. No, no. Uh, so at the moment, yeah, uh, I'm still a little bit bearish in, in the ne in the nearish term, but I'm not looking for any massive, huge moves, as I've just said there about the 24,000 or so area. See if it can get down there. So uh, let's have a look here. This is something slightly different. Just a little um, warning so, uh, for people based on the stock markets here for the month of September. We talked about this last week that historically the month of September is an underperforming month. And here's some actual visuals for our viewers here today. Um, so you can see the month of September there on average. And this is actually across uh, 15 global markets, not just the, the US markets, but on average, you can see that underperformance um, that historically takes place there. So I thought I'd bring that up as we were talking um, last week about coming into into the month of September um, for the stock markets. Having said that, over the last week, they've been a bit up and down and um, we'll see how this S&P plays itself out. But I'm going to I'm going to stay with those seasonals for the stock markets and um, still looking for a little bit more uh, weakness um, over the coming weeks, generally speaking. That's my how I'm looking looking at them. But it, it sort of sits well because the last six years, the dollar has rallied through the month of September. And we tend to normally see if the stock markets are coming down, then the dollar is normally benefiting and going up. So uh, history suggests that uh, we should at least see some kind of softer performance overall by the time we get to the end of September um, for the stock markets and outperformance for the dollar. During the during the month of September, and just to reiterate, you, it doesn't mean to say we just go euro? up and up and up. So, are uh, you back to being long euro then? No, no, um, no, because I'm talking about the dollar me, being dollar versus. Excuse me, I, I meant short euro, guys. Sometimes you know the words don't work. I yeah, I think we talked about it twice, uh, two weeks or a few weeks ago. I was long euro dollar, and then I, I think I said on your show I'd got trading stopped and then switched to short. So yeah, yeah no, did. I'm still short. So uh, euro dollar there. So still looking for a, a bit more downside there and a bit more overall dollar strength. If we look at the Dixie here, then and if I just take it out to a monthly chart, um, I've got we've got this 
a lot of support that it's come down into when it came down to 100. I still think it, at some point it's uh, I've got some other analysis which is suggesting that some point further down the line we should roll back over. But at the moment, the, the near term momentum, as we can see, is to the upside on the monthly chart there. I am looking for a little bit more um, out of the dollar there, especially coming into uh, this period that we're coming into here. But by the time we get to the back end of the year, we'll, we'll have to see about that. Yeah, I mean, I, have the, I, I literally just got rid of the old head and shoulders while you were talking, but we still do have higher, uh, lower highs here. So it's coming into a real, on the weekly, it's coming into a really critical zone here, actually. I think we'll, we'll get a lot yep. of clarity on the dollar here because you got the 50 weekly, which is curling down right above. Mm. You have kind of the, what would be a higher high at 104.699, but 104.252 now. And for fib, fib lovers, you're right at the 38.2 there, that kind of entire move uh, all the way up from when we were back at 89 in 2021 at the beginning. Well, it's quite interesting because I was just looking at the fibs on the euro dollar, uh, just literally just this morning with my traders. Um, if we look at the euro from, um, if I put this onto a, a monthly chart, from, from the lows here coming up, so the lows were made for the euro in uh, September of last year. If I put the fibs on, then funnily enough, the uh, just the 38% retracement still needs to come down to 106. So 106 in relative terms, if I put this back to the daily chart, in rel relative terms, 106 down here is going to correspondingly, going back to the dollar index, could see the dollar index uh, up another couple of hundred pips from where we currently are. But I do agree that you know, we've got that weekly 50 just curling down on top of price as we speak. So it'll be interesting to see you know, whether it can get through it. But I'm still, I'm, I don't mind the, the dollar index doing pullbacks from here. It's just done five or six weeks up. But um, I'm still leaning into uh, the upside just for that little bit more. I've got some probability stuff that suggests that uh, from a technical side of things as well, that suggests that the dollar may hold up just that little bit longer. But I'm not a bull in the much bigger picture. I must point yeah, that out. That, that's exactly what I just talked about with <clears throat> Noel before you came on. It was basically right. maybe some dollar strength here, but then... We go into election year, eventually yeah. liquidity comes back and the dollar inevitably drops. I mean, there's only one way long term for the dollar to go because eventually they're just going to print a whole lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But, uh, and you know, and there's a lot of issues further down the line, which we've talked about before with the dollar, uh, as far as uh, where diversification from glo globally um, out of the dollar um, is going to start happening more so as the years pro, you know, go by. But that's not happening right now. It's little bits are happening, as we're already seeing with some of the BRICS economies as well, talking about that, but um, and, and pricing of more pricing of oil outside of the dollar. But um, all of those things are more structural for, you know, the bigger picture. Uh, but right now, yeah, I'd love to see a little bit more upside in the, in the dollar. Absolutely. Any final thoughts? Anything we might have missed? Oh, silver. <laughs> Let's have a quick silver. look. At oh, yeah. Silver was raging there for a little while. I haven't looked at it today, but... Uh, well, on the weekly chart, I'll just, I'll just zoom out on my... Actually, I'll go to a monthly chart just to put this into perspective first of all. I've got a long-term trend line from those highs back in 2011. I remember getting berated by a load of traders in 2011 um, because uh, silver had come off a bit and I said, I think the top's in. And they were like, no, silver's going to go to the moon. And you think, I think, you know, when then you get to 2017 and you say something about the crypto market, you think, I'm sure I've been here before. But <laughs> but uh, silver at that time had a lot of bullishness back in 2011. Anyway, I've got a trend line going across the highs here. 
for silver. And then if I take us now down to the weekly chart, again, I've got a nice little rising trend line uh, below it. So what's actually happening is we're winding our way up in between these two lines here at the moment. And I quite like silver for the bigger picture. Um, it just it's building. And oh, I need to go back out to the weekly chart, sorry, monthly chart there. I think there's it's building pressure the way I'm seeing it for a, an upside push at some point. Now, that could still take several months. As we said, I think last week that the uh, the seasonals aren't necessarily favorable for silver right now, um, but they will be as we get into the latter part of the year. And so it could be something in a couple of months or so's time. But I am looking out for silver and the potential for a breakout here. And before we know it, we could be then back up into the upper 28s and then we'll take it from there. I'm not huge on these, but you can I can see right on your chart right there that you had a golden cross of the 50 and 200 MA. Oh, yeah. Both are now acting as support. Yep. Um, well, it's already done it, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I use them as sort of confirmations. That's about um, yeah. how I how I look at them when I see them. But um, but yeah, overall, I think structurally, there's um, some nice patterns there, and that does link in to the to gold because if I go to gold on a monthly chart as well, I love this old fashioned sort of cup and, yeah, handle, cup and handle type pattern. Sure. Yeah. So. You know, it's still not there yet, but um, if it can break through, then we, you know, there's a there's a projection up to what 2,700 or so um, for gold. But it's got yeah. a bit of work to do yet. But uh, they're interesting charts, nevertheless. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, for a lot of people here who are trading crypto, obviously, if you believe silver and gold are going to go up, that could potentially be a very good sign for Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Well, risk on assets as well. So, um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, but I also think they're a good element of, of diversification for a lot of crypto traders as well. Yeah. Oh, if you if you really believe in Bitcoin as digital gold, then why not own some actual gold as well? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Just in case, you know, it's it's got a pretty decent proven history. So, uh, you know. yeah. yeah. All right, Charlie, man. Thank you so much. Always appreciate no your insight. Got Have news a great day. coming out. Nine minutes. News is coming out. What do we got? Uh, we have got consumer sentiment and we've got those jolts jobs openings coming up in nine minutes. All right. Well, go talk to your group. Don't want to keep you. Thank you, man. Appreciate Take care. It. See you soon. And guys, there's one other story, I think, that I, by the way, I, uh, you might have seen me go off the screen there for a minute, which was kind of hilarious. My mouse now, like if you slightly swipe, swipe left or right, apparently, I uh, had to reboot my entire computer, uh, sends me like I'm hitting the back button on my browser. So I just completely exited the stream. Thank goodness when I came back, it was still there. But yeah, this is big news that just broke. Uh, DCG reaches crucial in principle deal with Genesis creditors. Recoveries could be up to 90%. Now, first of all, what did I tell you guys about these bankruptcy proceedings and deals and chapter 11? Don't believe anything until you see the money in the bank, right? We've learned this over and over and over again. Something my dad told me, I told you guys a long time ago. No deal is done until the money is in the bank. But apparently DCG has, met, has made an in-principle deal with Genesis creditors, but Genesis is their own company, to basically bail out Genesis. Recoveries could be up to 90%, which would be absolutely epic. I know that Gemini Earn is one of those, so this would be very good news for them. But I will say that uh, DCG not exactly in the clear and not themselves necessarily out of trouble. And as a Voyager creditor, I was really happy when we got an FTX deal. And I was kind of happy when we got a Binance deal. And then both of those fell apart and we had no deal. So I wouldn't get too excited yet, but at least we've got some generally good news. 
On a more personal note, I'm planning to be here tomorrow, but I also know that I will likely be in the middle of a very significant hurricane. I uh, went over and prepped my parents' whole house yesterday because they're too old to be moving around their furniture. I have to prep my entire house today, doing all the shopping and all the things and all the stuff and the moving furniture and the tying things down. That's how I'll be spending the most of the rest of my day. But I would say highly, 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 highly likely that I will not have internet access tomorrow. Storm is supposed to hit literally tomorrow morning. And for right now, we're pretty much in the... Uh, the spaghetti model and the cone of certain uncertainty. But I'm trying to be here tomorrow. If I have internet, I will be here. And if I am here, expect the stream to die right in the middle, you know. But uh, unfortunately, I have one of those situations where my ha my phone doesn't even work in my house without the internet. So if it goes, if the internet goes, I can't even use my phone, period. Like, I, I will be blacked out. Kids, though, out of school today, early uh, in preparation for tomorrow and we'll see what the uh, next few days have but i'd be pretty surprised if we do not uh lose both power and internet uh in, in the coming days so we will see what happens i'm sure it'll be fine we do this every year you know uh, i'm more concerned about missing work than i am about like safety but uh we will see what happens guys uh, another great show really enjoyed it i know guys it just like it is newsletter, YouTube spaces, show up every day and talk about this. When I've showed you, like when this market, there's no interest, there's no volume, there's no sentiment. doesn't change anything for me. I still love talking about it every day. I still want to be here. I still want to find things to talk about. And there still are hidden gems of information that really matter here. Um, where it keeps showing up no matter what, you know, it is what it is. That's what we got I will see you guys hopefully tomorrow, if not hopefully Thursday, if not hopefully Friday. See you guys soon. Bye. That's dope.